0: How's everybody doing on our first, first Wednesday tonight, right? A little cold. It's a little cold, but I guess it is northern Ohio, and um, it should be expected. But I don't know about you, but I never get used to it. Do you? Anyone used to it? Amen. Praise God. Wow, you look good, though. Thank you. Did you say we do or you too? Oh, okay. I was going to say you're confident, but that's okay. I'll take it too. You do look good tonight. You look like you've, you're have you here and you're expecting. I mean, you're believing. <laughs> so you're like, I am? No. You're believing. You've come believing that God's going to do something personally, corporately, and um, God has just been moving in just some uh, powerful, powerful ways here the last month or so, and I believe that's, that's uh, just going to continue to increase. Amen? Amen. We're not live streaming tonight, are we? Can somebody help me with that? No? Okay. So I'm okay down here? Can you guys see me back there? Okay. Not that I need to be seen, but sometimes it's good to see who's speaking, right? All right. Well, We've been in this series on prayer, and um, the interesting thing about this is every time I start to dive into a particular item that we've been covering in the Tabernacle of Moses as a pathway to prayer, um, it's, it's kind of like an onion, I just keep peeling back layer after layer after layer, and I feel like I'm you know, going to move on to the next piece of furniture, and uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just reveals something new and something fresh. And um, so I'm learning uh, in this teaching as well, as the Lord is teaching me and you and our church, just a, um, just a approach to prayer. I said this from the beginning, I'll say it again. Um, this is just a path, it's a pattern. It's not the only way to pray but uh, I do believe it gives us a point of reference on how to pray and what to pray for. You may already have your uh, routine of prayer. Um, That's great, that's fine. You don't have to change that up, but this is just showing us how God, even back 3,500 years ago, how God laid out the tabernacle, which again, the tabernacle of Moses, Um, It is a picture of Jesus. The tabernacle of Moses is Jesus. You see him in every piece of furniture. You see him in all of the layout of the tabernacle. It's just a foreshadow of things to come. So um, we're gonna get into this here tonight, so let's pray and we'll get right to it. Father, I thank you and I praise you once again for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for each and everyone here tonight Thank you for their sacrifice i thank you for their commitment and their dedication to be here i just ask god that you would once again speak to our hearts every need that's represented here tonight i pray god that um, that need would just manifest we know that you've already met that need you already met it through calvary you paid for it all and so lord we're appreciative and we're thankful for it And so, Father, Lord, we receive, we receive in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Now, Sunday, um, I spent time at the candlestick. Um, And I know I didn't tell you guys to have this ready. I don't know if you have the candlestick ready or not. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, If you could just pull that up there, that's fine, too. See, they're sharp back there. Could you let them know you appreciate them? Come on. They... Nobody notices them until something messes up. But um, thank you. We we were talking about the candlestick and what it represents, and um, this in your prayer time, among other things, is where you come and you spend time getting filled up, refilled with the Spirit of God. I don't have time to go back and cover all of that. You can go back uh, uh, and watch that. But it talks about it's a picture and a shadow. Of being filled with the Spirit of God. You recall that the priest was the one who was responsible to make sure that the oil that was poured into this candlestick that lit the fire and kept the fire burning, the priest was responsible to make sure that that oil never ran dry. That there was a continual supply of fresh oil in that candlestick. And so you and I. We know that we are priests of God. Uh, 2 Peter tells us that, that we are the priests of God, a royal priesthood. So you and I are responsible to make sure that we stay full of the Spirit of God. Thank you. I wasn't going to move on until I got an amen. Because your spiritual tank can become empty. Um, For some, it's because you have sprung a leak here or there, and so your spiritual tank can become empty from time to time, and so you need a refilling. Now, I'm not talking about, and I don't have time to get into this, but we do offer a class in our Foundations class um, on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and there are two distinct works of the Holy Spirit. When you are born again God's Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of you. God's Spirit lives in you, right? You cannot be born again without the Spirit of God, okay? Um, Jesus walked into a room where the disciples were um, hanging out for fear after His crucifixion, and He walked into that room, and the Bible said He breathed on them, and they received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So then that same group that he breathed on and they received the Spirit before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he told that same group, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait until you be endued with power from on high. And that is the second distinct work of the Holy Spirit, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you have God's Spirit and you are filled with God's Spirit as well. Now there are two ways to fill your tank. Number one is to serve. Everyone say serve. serve. Remember the widow woman who had a debt that she could not pay and the prophet Elijah said, what do you have in your house? And she said, well, I just have this little jar of oil. And uh, how many of you know, as long as you have oil in the house, it's going to be okay. Amen. The anointing is what I'm talking about. And he said, go borrow as many vessels as you can find and pour into those vessels. And as long as you pour into those vessels, this cruise of oil will not go dry. So the more you pour out, the more God pours in. See, sometimes we become stale in our relationship with the Lord because we're not pouring out. And anything that sits for a while without being stirred up, becomes stale, right? And so as long as she poured, oil was continually, continuing, continuing to fill that crew. So serving is a way that you continually fill, be filled with the Spirit. Another way is through prayer. Everyone say prayer. Acts chapter 2, they were praying, and the Bible says that God filled them with the Spirit. They go out, they minister, they suffer persecution, they um, are doing the work of the Lord, and then in Acts chapter 4, they're back in another place of prayer, and you'll read in your Bible that God filled them again with His Spirit. So serving, serving one another, serving in God's kingdom, causes us to be refilled, and prayer causes our tank to to be filled up again. Amen? Listen, you cannot, I cannot, this church cannot effectively minister without a fresh touch of His Spirit. You cannot lead your family without a fresh touch of God's Spirit. You can't lead your business without a fresh touch of God's Spirit. And so, this is a part of prayer This happens at the candlestick. So, Before you go any further in your prayer time, as we go into the the, um, holy place that we talked about on Sunday, the first place you go is you go to this um, candlestick and you ask God to refill you with His Spirit. You know, the Bible said that Jesus, after His baptism, went into the wilderness, which by the way, the Spirit of God led Him into the wilderness, and um He was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, but he prayed and he fasted. And upon returning from the wilderness, Luke 4.14 says this, that he returned in the power of the Spirit. So we've just gone through 21 days of fasting and we're still in a time of prayer. We've just gone through and we are continuing to go through times of prayer and fasting. The end result of that should be we should return in the power of the Spirit of God. In other words, we should come out with more than what we went in with. Right? Are you with me? Okay. So this is the time where God empowers us and enables us to confront and defeat our enemies when we are full of the Spirit of God. It, um, it also produces a boldness. The Spirit of God produces boldness in your life. So what happens is you become bold in your prayer time. You're no longer intimidated. Um, You're no longer fearful uh, by what you hear or what you see. Um, Because now you begin to realize it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by His Spirit. I told you on Sunday... Um, the Lord just dropped just a few words, a couple of things in my spirit during this time of prayer and fasting. Some of it was personal, some of it was for our family, some of it was uh, for our church corporately. But one of the things that God dropped in my spirit was that um, He was going to elevate the boldness within me. That there was going to be a boldness that was going to begin and somebody like, oh no, we're in trouble. But no, that's not really, that's not really the case. Um, when there's boldness, you're not intimidated nor afraid of man and or spirits. And you speak by the power and the authority of God. Amen? So that's one of the things I believe is, and if it happens to the head, it happens to the body. All right? Okay. So listen, Wednesday night, Um, it, it might be a little bit deeper than we're accustomed to on Sunday morning. Remember, Jesus had crowds that he spoke to, and then he had 12 disciples that he spoke to, and then he had an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John that he spoke to. And he said and shared things with the three that he did not share with the 12, and he said and shared things with the 12 that he did not share with the crowd. So just so you know where you are tonight, you're part of the, inner circle of three amen you're there say I'm there okay so now I'm ready to move to the table and if you can show us the table I'm ready to move to the table that was in the tabernacle and you can read about the construction of this table in Exodus chapter 25 verse 23 through 30 but let me just read one scripture here and it says then make the table of acacia wood 36 inches long 18 inches wide 27 inches high. Now, here's the first thing I want you to know about this table. Number one, the table is accessible. All right? The table of God is accessible. This was the lowest piece of furniture in the tabernacle. So the height (laughs) emphasizes accessibility. And what the priest would do, you can see... Those are representations of bread, or they were bread. And the priest would have two stacks of bread, totaling 12, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but six on each side, okay? The table held the bread. And so what this tells us here about this table is it's not out of our reach. In other words, it's not over anyone's head, all right? As a believer... This kind of prayer is not out of reach, and it's not over our head. It's an open table. It's an open table to every believer, okay? Everyone who names the name of Jesus has access to this table and what this table represents in your prayer time. So whoever desires to come can come to this table. This is a table of communion. It is a table of communion and fellowship with God. There's always an open invitation to this table to be able to come and to sit with God. I want you to think about that for a minute. God is telling us, I have, I have a table prepared for you that you can join me at this table, that you can come and commune and dine with me. Um, I had someone this past, well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had somebody come up to me and they said, "How often do you have communion here?" And um, I said, "Well, it's on our calendar for once a quarter, or if I feel led to have communion, then we just put it on and we do it, okay?" And they said, "Well, um, they said, "Well, that doesn't seem like we have communion very often." And I said, "Well um, you know, that's just the way that we do it because the Bible doesn't give us a number of how many times we're to have communion. Here's what it says, as often as you have communion. So there's no set number on how many times you should have communion. It just says as often as you have communion. So, so um, he, he, he then shared with me, he said, well, you know, he said uh, this pastor um, that I follow and... Um, you know, it's a large church, and they have communion every week. And I said, well, that's his, that's his right as a pastor to set up and have communion with his people as often as he likes, right? That's, there's nothing wrong with that. And so if that's what he wants, that's fine. But I asked this individual, I said, how often do you have communion? I told you there's a boldness there. And kind of looked at me funny, and I'm like, well, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that the only people who can serve you communion are those who operate in the five-fold ministry gift of the apostle, the prophet, the, uh, the evangelist, the pastor, or teacher, or that you have to be in a um, church to have communion. Uh, you don't need me to serve you communion. You do know that, Right? You don't need me to serve you communion. Um, as a believer, you have the right to come to this table anytime you want. That's your right. Jesus paid the price for you to come. So as a believer, and this is, this is where I'm getting to, you have access to this table. So uh, you could grab yourself uh, a piece of bread and uh, some juice or water or a cracker, whatever, and take it with you in prayer. And when you get to a time in your prayer where you're like, I I, I feel like this is the time that I'm going to receive communion, then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and walk through how Paul walked through the Corinthian church with communion and have communion. Take take the elements. Take the body, the the, the representation of the body, and receive, right? And, And then when you're there... That's your time to ask if you need healing, whether it's spiritually, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, then that's your time to receive communion and ask the Father to heal you. Amen. I can see you're looking at me funny right now. But you have that right. You have that privilege. You have that access. And then what's ever wounded in your life, ask the Lord to heal that. What's ever bruised in your life, ask the Lord to heal that. What's ever broken in your life, ask the Lord to bring healing in your life. Father, I'm asking now that you heal this broken relationship. Your body was broken and bruised for it. Now I'm asking God that you heal this relationship. As a believer, you have that right and privilege to do so. And then you go to the cup and you take what represents the blood of Jesus. Now, if you recall, we were cleansed out in the courtyard at the brazen altar. But now this is different. We're forgiven by the blood, but here this blood represents um, where we can call upon the Lord for protection. We can call upon the Lord for deliverance. Um, This is where the children of Israel took the blood and put it upon the lintel and the doorposts of their homes. So that the death angel passed over. So, this is time in your prayer where you, where you take the blood symbolically and plead the blood over your children, plead the blood over your home, plead the blood over your possessions, plead the blood over your coming and over your going. Take the blood and plead the blood over every area of your life because here's why when the enemy sees the blood, he cannot pass over. He cannot penetrate where the blood is. Amen? So it's just the place where you can have communion, and then you take the elements, the sacraments, and you begin to pray. You begin to ask the Lord to do those things for you. Number two, the table is a royal table. It's a royal table. Let's look at uh, Exodus 25, 24 through 25. He says, overlay it with pure gold and run a gold molding around it, around the edge. Decorate it with a three-inch border. Notice how detailed God was. And I told you this in the very beginning. He was very detailed about the pieces of furniture that they were to make. He said, with a three-inch border all around it and run a gold molding along the border. Uh, Another translation says, a gold crown. A gold crown. Glory to God. So the emphasis here is on a royal table. This is a royal table. This is the king's table. It's a table for the royal family. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about you. It reminds us that we were once... We were once slaves to sin, but now we've been free, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and now we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we sit with the King. We sit with the King. Angels cannot sit here. Angels can only serve sons and daughters who sit here. Amen. At the king's request. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, take your seat. Take your seat. Watch this. Ephesians 2 and 6 says this. And he raised us up together. He's talking about us being born again. He raised us up together together. Watch this, and made us, he's talking about us, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're at the king's table. I am seated with him in heavenly places. Where are those heavenly places? They are far above principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness say it another way far above your enemies if you get a revelation or a picture of this you'll see spiritually God has positioned you above your adversaries they are under your feet I heard one preacher say one time that's the reason God gave you 10 toes So that when the devil looks up, he has to look through the prison bars. I thought that was good. And I'll give him credit for it. But he looks through the prison bars knowing that he is under our feet. Amen? He's under our feet. So you have to see yourself in prayer in a position of authority. You are in a position of authority. You're in a position of honor. And you are at a, in a position of power. We are not seated in a place of defeat. We're not seated in a place of depression or failure. This is part of the inheritance of the believer. That you and I are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are positioned at this table because of him. He's the one who invited us there. He is the one who positions us here. And when you get here in prayer, this is where you have the right to exercise your authority over your adversary. Amen. So if you are being harassed by the devil, if you're being harassed by your enemy, then you have to understand that's the time in your prayer to take authority over it in Jesus' name. Now let me break this down a minute because there is a difference between authority and power. When Lucifer fell from heaven, he, he retained power, but he lost authority. When Jesus came back and died for us and rose on the third day, Authority and power was reestablished for the believer. All right? So, you and I have authority, and you and I have power. So, watch this. A lot of times people think authority and power are the same thing, but they're not. Authority is more judicial, authority is more of what is said. Um, Jesus did this. Um, Jesus rebuked the wind, and it had to obey him. Remember that? That's authority. Got up, rebuked the wind, and the wind ceased. He had the authority to do so. Um, Jesus spoke to unclean spirits, and they came out of people. Why? Because they had to obey his authority. The, uh, the centurion, remember? Remember? when he came and asked Jesus to heal his servant and Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And he said, listen, I'm a man who, who, um, who operates in authority and I'm a man who is under authority and I know how authority works. This is how it works. I tell one to come and he comes. I tell one to go and he goes. He said, all you need to do, Jesus, is speak the word and my servant shall be well. And, and the Bible said that it, it marveled, Jesus, it was, he marveled him. It, 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 it's like, what did I just hear? I've been with these disciples all these, all these days and all this time, and they don't understand authority. Here's this man who gets it by faith, that all you need to do is say it because you have the authority in the name of Jesus. Church, come on. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. Use it. Use it. Use it. Power is more enforcement. It's what's done. Pick up your bed and walk. Stretch out your hand and it will be healed. Take the rod and stretch it out over the sea and it shall part. Go wash in the pool of Shalom and you shall be healed. Kings conquer by power, but they rule by authority. Are you still with me? The kingdom of God is based on authority and it conquers through power. That's how it it operates. Power is a gift, Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Authority comes through relationship. I'm still talking about prayer. Authority comes through relationship. Your authority is only as deep as your relationship is with God. The greater your relationship with God, the greater authority you walk in. The greater authority that's recognized within you. Because the enemy realizes and understands authority. Why? Um, Because authority is rooted in the presence of God. And the more you are in the presence of God, the more authority you carry. Jesus gave his disciples authority and power over the enemy. So you have authority. Say, I have authority. I have authority over principalities, over powers. They must obey you. This is where prayer comes in. This is where what happens in prayer is, then I begin to... Invoke the name of Jesus in my prayer life, or in my prayer time. This is, this is warfare prayer. OK? Going a little deeper. This is warfare prayer. God's given you three weapons. He's given you His word. Come on, He's given you His blood, and he's given you His name. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, what weapon did he use? The word. It is written, it is written, it is written. So you have to realize what situation you find yourself in and then get the weapon that works for that situation. So temptation is overcome by the word of God. God will deliver you. Amen? Are you with me? God will deliver you. And then the blood, I've already talked about the blood and how you apply the blood but then you have the name of Jesus. His name is the highest name in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. There's no greater authority than the name of Jesus. So I use his name to bind, and I use his name to loose. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So in my prayer time, I'd use the name of Jesus, which was given to us, and I bind what needs bound, and I loose what needs loose. And I exercise my authority in prayer. In prayer. A lot of, now, there was a time, because of my Pentecostal roots, that I thought the louder I prayed, the more authority I had. Any of my Pentecostal friends know what I'm talking about? So, you know, when I got to this place in prayer, I I just would begin to get louder and louder. Well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't do anything as far as moving the devil or binding the devil. Um, it may hurt my throat and my voice, but he's not intimidated. What what? What he has to obey is the authority. So I I can just be as calm. Why? Because I'm at the table, right? I'm at a table, and I can just be as calm as I want. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have to take your hands off of whatever you need him to take his hands off of. You cannot touch, you cannot have, you will not in Jesus' name. You have to obey. And I take authority over you now in the name of Jesus. Now take up your weapons and flee. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And no weapon formed against me is ever, ever going to prosper. Amen? Amen. And that's just it. And I stay in that place in that seat of authority. What happens is we get up. And we surrender our seat of authority. Stay seated. Amen? So, this authority is exercised at the table. Watch this Psalm 23 and verse 5. You prepare a what? Where? Of my, you anoint my head with, my cup overflows. Here's what God is saying. God says, I will put a feast together in the middle of a battlefield. So even if you're in spiritual warfare, even if you're going through a battle, God says, I have a table for you right in the middle of it. Right here in the middle. And we're going to feast at this table. And you will be able to sit in peace without worry, without fear, without any of those negative emotions that the enemy tries to place on you. And you can be at peace. Here's the key. Let me show you the key. This is why you can do that. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Watch this, your rod and your staff comfort me. Notice there's two things his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Watch this, the rod is power. When the shepherd had the rod, whenever an animal would come and attack the sheep, he would take the rod and he would smack whatever to ward off whatever prey was coming against the sheep. That's power. But he also carried the shepherd's staff that helped him in his walk around and on the terrain that they traveled. That rod, or yeah, that, that staff represents authority. Okay? So you have a rod and you have a staff. You have power and you have authority. And that's how you can sit at that table in peace knowing that you have authority and you have power over every enemy and over every force of darkness that tries to come against you. So, you know this, David had many adversaries, right? Psalms are full of them. them. But in the presence of the Lord... In this particular psalm, he's seated at his table. And what this is telling us is the enemies, David is saying, my enemies posed no threat. They were no threat to me. Why is that? Because David said, I was a guest. And a guest had rights at this table. Because in ancient um, Eastern culture, the host was obligated to safeguard his visitors from enemies at all costs. Yeah. When God calls you to this table, you have his guarantee that he's going to safeguard you from every enemy at any cost. Yeah. Come on, that's a good place to give God praise and a good place to give him glory. Oh, I must hurry. And then you have to Rest. Being seated is a position and a place of rest. Just look at your neighbor and tell them, relax. Relax. Just relax. Rest. Rest. You're in his presence. It is a royal table. Number three, it's an open table. God allows you to bring guests with you to this table. So the priest, as I said, would come... He would prepare the table. He would put six loaves, 12 loaves of bread in two stacks of six, okay? Those um, loaves or pieces of bread represented the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? They were camped around this tabernacle. So it represented the tribes and it represented their families. So they were at through representation at this table. So here's my focus in prayer. My focus at this time, as I walk through and I come out of that realm of spiritual warfare, now my focus is on my family. They're at the table with me, right? How are they there? By invitation. What invitation? I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for... uh, My spouse, I'm praying for. My children at this table, I'm praying for loved ones or whoever else God places on your heart. This is the time and this is the place where you begin to pray for them. This is where you just begin to cover them in prayer. Maybe it's a co-worker that God's laid on your heart. You invite them and you bring them to this table. And you do that through prayer. And you cover them in prayer. And you lift them up in prayer. And whatever need they have, you pray over them. God has given you the uh, invitation to invite whoever you want to invite to this table. This is also a place now that you're going to begin to pray for um, your spiritual leaders. This is a place where in this church you're going to pray uh, for me, the pastors, the staff, your... um, Children's workers, anyone who's involved in teaching. Why? Why am I saying that? Because the priest prepared the bread that was served. So these are people who, who prepare people to be fed in the house of God. So now you're praying for leaders. You're praying for teachers. You're praying for those who are in serving. You're praying for those people in your church. You're also praying for missionaries, for us, for our group, it would be far-flung tin can, right? We're praying for them. They're part of our family. They serve. They serve all over the world. And so that's the time that you pray for them, cover them in prayer, lift them up in prayer. Um, just, you can jot this down. Uh, you could pray, I would encourage you, Ephesians chapter 1. Go in and look at that. Pray over, um, pray over them. Praying that prayer, Ephesians chapter 3, pray that prayer over them. Uh, As I said a couple of weeks ago, take Psalm 23 and pray over them. Take the scripture and pray over them. Okay, last, here it is. The fourth thing is the table is a table of his presence. It's the table of his presence. And this is probably the most important part. Because it's who's at this table with us. The word showbread is the bread that was placed on the table. But it means face or presence. Face or presence. It's the place of the bread of his presence. Okay? So... In the Lord's prayer, we would say, give us this day our daily. Not just talking about natural food, we're talking about spiritual food, but also we're talking about the presence of God. Why, why did I say that? Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He's that spiritual manna. So at this point of my prayer, this is what's beginning to happen. What's beginning to happen at this point of my prayer is I am being drawn to the presence of God. There's a desire now to get close to Him. I'm sensing His presence. I'm sensing His presence is near. And so now I'm at a place for Him to reveal Himself more to me through prayer there's there's a hunger now for the presence of God Moses prayed in the wilderness Lord show me your glory Lord I want more of your presence less of me and more of you now we're beginning to see something happen here this is what happens Remember I told you being in the outer court, remember the laver, remember what it represented, it represented with the water, it represented the word of God, right, the priest would come see his reflection in 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 the water, it was a mirror for them, that's the logos, which is what, it's the written word of God, it's your Bible, that's logos, here the written word now becomes a rhema word, you know what that means? A rhema word is, have you ever just been reading your Bible and, and the scripture just jumps off the page at you? Yeah. And you're like, man, that's for me. And you see it like you've never seen it before. What's happening there? God is revealing himself. It's rhema. God's revealing himself, his ways to you personally. So that word just went from a Logos word to a Rhema word to where you say, that's mine. And I'm holding on to that word. Because now, John 1.14 says it, here it is, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory glory of the only Son, the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. All I'm trying to get you to see at this point in your prayer is God's going to manifest His Word, manifest His promise in your life. So let's just use this. And if you guys will... Let's just say this. Let's just say out in the courtyard you found, um, you found, by his stripes I am healed. Okay? You found um, Isaiah 53 and 5, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay? You see that. You've read that. But now when you're in this time of prayer, not only do you see it, now you begin to experience it. There's healing. The healer is in the room. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The healer is now present. And You may or you may not feel something. But you know that you know that you know that something just happened. Right? Something's happening. Something shifted. Something changed. Praying for that loved one, praying for that son or daughter that... Is just wayward right now and all of a sudden there's a peace that just comes over you that surpasses all understanding and you're like okay God's got this it's done it's over God is performing His word it's done and then you just bask in His presence you bask in His glory Out in that courtyard, we weren't thinking about the presence of God. We tried to satisfy that void in our lives through relationships, through whatever else, careers, substance, but nothing satisfied it. And then you walked through the gate. And you found out that he was the way. And then you kept pursuing him and you came through the door and you found out that he's the truth. And now you realize he's the only one who can satisfy. He's the only one. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? word I'm hearing in my spirit right now is, is the word rest. I just feel like there's just been an uneasiness and unsettling. And you've just not been able, been able to just sit and rest. At the table. You know, it's kind of like Martha. Remember, Martha, she was busy doing. And Jesus said, Martha, now's not the time to be doing. Now's the time to just be sitting at my feet. See, sometimes we think by doing, if we'll just do this, then it'll work and God is saying yeah, faith without works is dead but you have to know what season you're in and right now you're in a season to come and sit at the table and rest rest in his presence rest in his promises rest in and the assurance that He has this. He's got this. Is that describing anybody? If that's you, I just want you to come and join me in the altar, if you would. Just come and join me in the altar real quick. Come on.